You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Beckham sets up on the outside. It's Darkwa again. Stutter step. Darkwa busting to the outside for the touchdown. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Hola, Grump. Que tal? Uh, Hecho in Mexico? What's going on? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just on my uh, my winter break since, you know, we're obviously not in the playoffs. I figured I'd go play golf and go fishing like other teams do when they're not in the playoffs. You know, Grump, I was uh, I was sitting on the couch Sunday watching the uh, the second playoff set of playoff games and just thinking, it feels like forever since we've been in a playoff game. It does. I mean, I mean, it hasn't been. It's, I mean, it's, we weren't in the dance last year, but the year before we were, you know. That's that's true. And it just felt like, you know, that game got out of hand kind of quickly and just, you know, we were in and we were out. Yeah, going one and done doesn't actually feel like you went to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the Super Bowl run now is, what, eight years ago? Seven years ago? Yeah. That's an eternity in the NFL. I mean, how many – we've? I think we've brought this up, you know, several podcasts ago, you know – the Giants only have two players on their roster from that Super Bowl. How many guys are in the NFL that was active back when that Super Bowl? So that's not a very big number of, of current active NFL players who are playing in 2011. No. That's, you know, the average, what, the average uh, career is, what, five years? I think, so, it, I think it might be less than that. Yeah, so it's uh, that's a long time ago. And I'm getting sick and tired of these Januaries. Where we're uh, we're already thinking about the draft and the combine and salary cap and yeah, I don't want to be thinking about my diet in January. Well, I have to be because I'm a big fat mess. I want to be at a game with cheese fries and a Jameson and Coke before the game, <laughs> and then a post game celebration of pizza or something. Exactly. Yeah, like that slice of Sabaros at the uh, oh, at the Sakaka station. Hey, yeah. man. Hey, if we win and you're hungry as shit and you're waiting for that train, you have like, oh, 40 minutes. You people know what I'm talking about. That's Sabaro up by the bar in the, it's the caucus. I hear you. But what I'm saying, it, it, that's like <laughs> saying like the celebratory slice is not Sparrow. That's like, hey, man, I'm calling out of work tomorrow morning. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's go watch the night playoff game with some pizza in hand and uh, a big bottle of whatever is up on the top shelf there. Giant fans who live in Manhattan, you you can feel me. You know how long it takes to get back to Penn Station. Sometimes you have to put that victory pizza on hold and just suck it up with the Sabaro. Well, it's you can of- have one slice of Sparrow to hold you until you get the real stuff. I, I didn't say I was getting a whole pie. I'm right. saying I need a slice to hold me over. <clears throat> Sparrow. That's like a curse word. <laughs> All right. So... Um, in the in the week since the regular season ended, we had a press conference by Dave Gettleman. It's it's kind of weird calling it coach speak because he's not a coach, but a lot of coach speak kind of things. Um, he kind of didn't really think that the season went any way differently than what he expected, um, which is almost like that's either coach speak or it's reversing on his coach speak at the beginning of the year, right? Yeah. Well, Grump, let's stop for a second. Uh Let's put it to the two of us. Did the season end the way you thought it, or 
the, the totality of the season end the way you thought it was going to be even before the season started. Well, I'm not talking, not talking record-wise. I'm talking about did you expect to see a team that was complete garbage in the beginning and showed some signs of life to be a, you know, still a bad team, but looking like it's on the positive possibly? Well, it's interesting because uh, there's there's a whole bunch of different ways to look at it, right? Overall, I think it was about where we expected. If you look at record-wise, we were a little bit over the map. I mean, you know, sometimes we looked on paper and like, I just don't see how they lose this game, and then, you know, they lost that game. But, you know, the overall product was about what we expected. And when we talk about um, what we saw as far as um, – the offensive line and the quote unquote improvements that were made in the off season, they were pretty much exactly what we expected. Right. I mean, that mm-hmm. might be the one thing that we were right on the nail, hitting the nail right on the head with. Um, Solder is a above average left tackle. He was not going to fix the offensive line. Will Hernandez was a rookie. He was not going to come in and just, you know, be a monster. Um, you know, there were questions at center. There were questions at right tackle. Um, I was not very high on, you know, the right guard solution, but it looked like it was going the right way by about mid season or so there was, it took time. You move all five pieces like that. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, for the people that had the right expectations, this is what this team was going to be. The people that thought that, you know, we were either a going all in or we're going to tank from week two. We're going to be disappointed this year. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, we called it as it was when we saw it, right? This was a rebuild. Um, they didn't tear down the entire infrastructure like John Gruden did, but the, the, pretty close. I mean, trading assets in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the season, a first-round pick and a high-priced free agent, that is rebuild mode. Um, sure, sure. Even trading away or sorry, not trading, but cutting former first-round picks, cutting you know, your a free agent acquisition you got that year. I mean, that's admitting that you're rebuilt. All right, well, this isn't working. We're going to keep building. Yeah, we're not going to half-ass rebuild it. We're going to three-quarters ass rebuild it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I've, some people have used that uh, the cutting of flowers and omame as uh, proof that maybe Gettleman was all in on this season and then halfway through the season changed his mind. I really don't think so. No, I think he was, I, what I think he was doing was trying to save Eli Manning's life. Well, there's that. I think it's also, you know, when he, when, when you change all five positions on the line, it was a, uh, those were contracts that were given out and they had a short leash on them. I don't think that either one of them was, what was ideal. I mean, it was, it's pretty well publicized how much we were going after Andrew Norwell, you know, mm-hmm. that changes everything. And the fact that Omame was signed before we drafted Will Hernandez, I mean, that changes everything. You know, these were kind of guys that had some versatility, some flexibility and what you could plan to do. And the left side of the line wound up in an ideal situation. The right side of the line ended up being in a less than ideal situation. And they had a short leash, you know, and moves had to be made. Any kind of move had to be made, as bad as it was last year. People forget how bad the offensive line was last year. Mm. This team could not run a lick. Eli Manning was running for his life, or just not, that's not even the right term, running for his life. He was, you know, falling in a heap. 
half the time jumping into his grave. Yeah. So, I mean, just be, you know, moves had to be made. They were not the moves that were going to catapult us from the worst offensive line and lead to the best, but something had to be done. And those, some moves, some of them just weren't good enough. And they're not, they were not long-term moves. They were just, we had to do something because they decided their chips were all in with Eli this year. And, you know, again, he had a career high in times he got sacked still. The, the rate of them went down the second half, but you know, it couldn't, you couldn't stay on what we did last year. And they weren't going to spend the money on the remaining assets that we had in the offensive line last year. You know, did we, we saw that, uh, you know, uh, guys on the line last year were on IR and stuff. So it would have been a, even more of a waste of money. Yeah, and, and quite frankly, I don't think either one of those guys fit the philosophy of what Dave Gettleman was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other thing I want to mention, talking about Gettleman before we even move any further, um, this hasn't been brought up at all, but Gettleman was fighting cancer. Yep. And he looked pretty good in that press conference. And I, the reason why I'm saying this is that you never know. You know, we could hear in three months from now, Gettleman you know, had the cancer come back or something, he may need to resign. So the Giants are, it's just something to keep in mind that, you know, Gettleman may not be able to execute a long-term plan because he may not be here long-term. And knowing that potentially, you might see some moves that might happen faster than even he may want to do. So just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind as we move forward. I mean, he's 67, 68 years old to begin with. And, you know, we want to live a long, healthy life going forward, but that has to be in the back of your mind. Well, I mean, is it possible that they are uh, kind of tinkering with the idea that he's not a long-term GM to begin with? I mean, do they know that and they're kind of executing as long as they can, but setting up something for another GM? I mean, there was speculation in the media that, um, my gosh, I can't remember. Is it Kevin Abrams or something like that? Something like that. He, is yeah, he the, he, he's the Wonder Boy, like the yeah, the, the cap the, guy that worked under Jerry Reese. He's one of the few guys in the front office that kept his job. Um, mm-hmm. They were there was some speculation that he would take the GM position. I think he might have even been interviewed for it. Um, okay. You know, you have to wonder if maybe there's some communication with him where he's learning underneath Gettleman and that sort of thing. I mean, it's totally possible. Mm-hmm. Just something I thought about when I, when I was watching the press conference and I saw him up there and I'm like, the first thing I thought was, oh, he looks pretty good. But then I was thinking, you know, you know, you, you never know in things like this. So, so we're obviously hoping that he, you know, A, is very healthy for a very long time and B, is able to be the GM for a long time, meaning he's been successful at it. So, yeah. And it's not something that's really talked about. There was... Uh, quite a f- number of GM moves that were made mid-season. You know, like we said, the trades of Snacks and Eli Apple and, you know, the acquiring of Jamon Brown off of waivers, mm-hmm. uh, cutting Patrick Owame and Eric Flowers. And, you know, this was... Gettleman was uh, diagnosed with cancer before the season started. So That's correct, yeah. I mean, us and the Raiders seemed like we were the two of the more active teams in terms of roster moves. Now, both of us were trying in different degrees, possibly to tank, but mm. is interesting. But I don't think we were just making moves just to 
you know, for for every move of the snacks, there was a move like of a mame, like in a flowers, like just get them off the team. They're not, they're not doing their job. If we were truly tanking, they would still be in the starting lineup. Well, yeah, there's all that, but I mean, it's also just you know who was executing those moves. Was was Gettleman truly healthy enough to be doing a lot of the work? I mean, was he being advised? We don't know this stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Interesting stuff. One of the most important things that Gettleman said, or, you know, I guess the most scrutinized thing that Gettleman said in his press conference was that he had a brutally honest conversation with Eli Manning. Um, I'm not sure if he said it or if it came out after, but that that conversation was ignited uh, or, or started, I should say, by Eli and not the front office of the Giants. It's interesting, you know. When you hear first that Eli, you know, initiated this conversation, I wonder if retirement talk was brought up, and I wonder if you know the Giants made a case for him to stay. I mean, you're never going to hear what the actual no. conversation was. That's it's always going to be a bit hidden. It's behind closed doors, and quite honestly, should be behind closed doors. That's yes. not our. It's you know, you want total honesty between player and coach and GM and owner and all that. So we don't know was truly said um i mean we're gonna do this probably every week until it actually happens but you know as of you know we're recording this on monday january 7th you think he's gonna retire Hmm. in this offseason well it's interesting what that brutally honest conversation could be i mean the other thing is maybe eli manning approached the front office and just wanted to know where he stood um Mm -hmm. You know, mm-hmm. If there were plans, what he should be thinking, maybe he just wanted to be in the loop for the betterment of his career. Um, and what brutally honest means, I mean, it could mean, hey, you played like shit this year. Or, hey, we expected more from you. Or maybe it's something as simple as, hey, if you would like to keep playing, we can't pay you at what you're going to make next year. Mm-hmm. And that would be brutally honest. And you know, it's something that we've already talked about, you know, a possible extension for Eli Manning to spread out that money. Right, right. So, I mean, do I think he's going to retire? I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think so. Um, earlier in the season, I would have said yes, but even if the Giants were to um, draft a Dwayne Haskins or something like that, I still feel like with this draft, it's not the kind of thing that, the Giants brass wants to roll out week one, Dwayne Haskins. And well, uh, I, I think even if it was Herbert coming out or next year, if it was Tua coming out or anybody, I just don't think the Giants as an organization are that team that rolls out a, you know, a, a rookie coach, a rookie quarterback on week one. I just don't think that's the way they are. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think it would have to be a rare talent, like an Andrew Luck. Um, yeah. Which, and which, even- is Dwayne Haskins is not. He is not. Um, I don't know. I mean, what do you think Eli, again, now we're getting a little into the, you know, the craziness, but do you think Eli thinks that he has enough in the tank that he could be a playoff winning quarterback? And, and do you think he has enough in a tank that that can happen with the giants? I mean, I don't know what Eli thinks. You know? I mean, he seems, you know, he, you know I, I know these quarterbacks are in a completely different plane for competitiveness yeah. and and self-ego that we will never have. Although Grump and I both are pretty 
high on the self-ego part. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he also is kind of a, has to be a realist, too. I mean, he's he comes from a family of kind of, you know, realistic guys. You know, they don't seem like they're crazy maniacs or anything. And, you know, that window of how long it's going to take for the Giants to be really competitive and, you know, where he is in his, you know, physical attributes, it, it's probably not going to happen here. So, you know, he doesn't seem like a guy who's playing just for the money. He, I, he's never struck me as, as that kind of guy. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to – I really right now have it at 50-50 that he's going to retire or not. I yeah, mean it, – it's. See, the thing is, is I have no idea what he thinks. He's pretty good at being so even keel, you just can't read his mind. Truly, truly competitive person. And mm-hmm. it's not something that you see in his face, and it's the kind of thing that you, as a coach, would see in his work ethic and what he expects and what he expects of himself. So, you know, being that the the demeanor that we see as fans is not truly indicative of what goes on in his head, I, I it's so hard to see. I mean, if he if he really feels like every bone in his body aches all the time, I can't imagine that he's going to throw himself out there next year. But if he if he feels you know physically health wise that he's okay, I don't I don't I don't really know what he has to lose by going out there. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. Well, I mean, again, we don't know how much he's impacted by things like you know the media and the fans. You know, because this fan base is pretty divided right now between, you know, bring him back or just cut him outright, cut him. I mean, I think even the ones that want to bring him back know. I think they're kind of like how we feel, like bring him back, but really because we have no other choice at this moment. So it's not like there's a whole chorus of people that are like, no, 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 Eli's got plenty. You know, we can ride him out for the next three, four years. Even the ones that. that those people represent about maybe less than 10% of the fan base. Mm-hmm. The people who really think that Eli still got it in the tank. Yeah, yeah. So that's my point. So the majority of everybody's either get rid of him right now or, well, you know, there's no really no other option at this moment. So that's not – that I, again, we don't know how that impacts these guys. They say they don't you know – they don't read social media. They don't, you know, read the newspapers. That's bullshit. They know exactly oh, what's going bullshit. on, and, yeah. and their and their agents let them know. Also, I mean, it's uh, so I don't know. Um, I guess that brings us to our next question. You know, what what do you think the Giants are going to do? You know, now that we've seen we've seen ha- um, Haskins now of um, Ohio State have his moment in the sun in the Rose Bowl and look pretty good. All of a sudden the talk is, well, you know, you got to draft him. He's the best available quarterback. Can I, uh, can I throw a theory at you? And I think they're going to do the giants, which always, which no one's really talking about is definitely a possibility. Giants right now have four extra draft picks. Is that correct? And they could have another one based upon, uh, who they cut or, I don't know if they are still eligible for another one, but yes, they have 11 draft picks. I have a hunch what the Giants are going to do is on draft day, make a bunch of trades to flop out 2019 draft picks for 2020 draft picks and make that trade up next year for one of these quarterbacks. I think everybody's looking at this as this is the only year 
that we can get an you know our franchise quarterback and our only options are Haskins or Drew Locke or Will Greer or the quarterback from Duke or our only options are Teddy Bridgewater or Nick Foles and that's it I really think because next year's draft is so deep at quarterback I mean you got guys that are absolute studs coming out next year I have a hunch that we're just going to load up some of these extra draft picks and roll them over for next year and then make our you know our trade into like to the top 3 or top 2 or something and select then what what say you grump but it's certainly possible I mean I don't know how GMs think I mean that's certainly how fans look at things they're very spread out but you know GMs are rolling a whole bunch of stuff but it it, w- well, it would be smart, yeah. I mean, the 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 amount of picks that the the Giants have are it, it's absurd. They're certainly not going to use them all. You don't really draft eleven guys because even if you do, you know, what do they have? Like three seven round picks. You think all three are making the team? It's a waste. When you could package it up and get another move into the fifth round or something like that, and get an impact one impactful guy over three guys who might not make the roster is, you know, silly. Mm-hmm. So. And again, yeah. let's and let's be kind of realistic for next year. I mean, if this team even shows some more improvements, I mean, even if they're like a seven and nine team or something, they're still starting at a base at like, you know, fourteen, thirteen. I mean, that's kind of around the spot where the Rams traded up, where Philly traded up to get their quarterback that they really liked. So I I, I just have a hunch you're gonna see some things. I think you're gonna see the fan base get pretty annoyed if that happens because that just kind of makes it more obvious that Eli is, if he doesn't retire, will be the opening day quarterback. And a lot of people don't want that, but I think there'll be some patience with this front office to get the right guy. And I don't know if any of these options for this year are that right guy. Well, here's what I'll say. Uh, Two things. Number one, um, Dave Gettleman does seem like the kind of guy that does not give a shit what the fan thinks. Um, not oh, that that's think, obvious. <laughs> yeah, not not that I think that Jerry Reese cared much, but I think that Dave Gettleman is very much of this is the way I'm going to do it, and I think that he phrased this as much to the Maras and the Tishes uh, when getting the job and saying that he had probably a two- to three-year plan and this is how it was going to go. Mm-hmm. Um I imagine that very much for him. So, you know, if the fans don't like it, I think he's prepared for that and doesn't care. He's he's going to sink or swim. Um, and it's it's also counterintuitive to what we we're just talking about with his health. You know, if, yeah. it, if he's still, you know, we're assuming he's going to be healthy and everything and, and keep going. But you know, something that's a plan that requires. You know, that's a looking forward into the future plan where that future is not one hundred percent certain. So. I, I just have a feeling, you know, the more I'm looking at these quarterbacks that are coming out next year, and it's going to be a, a pretty bumper crop of guys, uh, much more than this year. And, you know, we don't have the the free agent route, I don't think is going to happen. I mean, no, we're not paying $20 million for Nick Foles. Sorry, guys. It's just not happening. We we don't have that much cap money to start with. We have to worry about landing Collins. Wait, 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 wait. We're getting ahead of ourselves here because right? I got a response yeah. to that. But, but the other thing yeah. is you do make a really good point. So when a lot of people 
you know, argue that it's we're better off waiting until next year to pick a quarterback in the draft. The common response is, well, okay, then you make your team better this year, you just get further into the draft order. So your solution is an actual solution. Yeah, you trade away some of the picks this year for picks next year and then use those picks to trade up next year. It's mm-hmm. absolutely a, a good response. It's well thought out, and um, I, it's not something I've seen anyone else say, so it's really, really insightful, good thought. Um but as far as Nick Foles, so Teddy Bridgewater is is one person that I, I can understand being an actual move, but Nick Foles I don't get, and here's why. Nick Foles has looked good in exactly eight games in his career, and um, in all of them he's had a great offensive line. That's not something the Giants have, and if they <laughs> did, they would have Eli Manning be at at worst – a little bit worse than Nick Foles for the same amount of money that they'd be sending him for. So it's it's just a non-possibility. And I was disappointed to see something like that written in newspapers. I mean, that's one thing if a fan is like, why don't we want to go after Nick Foles? Because all they know is what they see on TV. But it's different when a beat writer writes it. And I was disappointed well, to see it written so much. Well it's, it, well, it's the hot take. And here's the thing is, the Eagles would never do that because a yeah. there's ze- there's zero chance they're not picking up his option. They're not getting nothing for, you know, an asset like him. So that's they are going to pick up the option. Why would they trade with a division rival? Yeah, I mean, does that make any sense? Well, no, he's at all a free agent. They, what are you talking about, Nick Folds? If they decline his option, and it's a it's a team option for to pick him up. If the if the Eagles decline the option, he's a free agent. I mean, they get they have to figure out internally who's their quarterback of the future. Yeah, and you know they they have not pulled the trigger on the long term contract for Carson Wentz yet. They have options with uh, with Nick Foles, but the one thing they are not going to do is trade in the division for him. It's just, I mean, it's just silly talk. So that that possibility's out. I mean, Teddy, I think purely from a money standpoint, the Giants can't do it. But what you, what you yeah. are getting is not much different than Eli Manning. The difference is what you see on the field is that the Eagles have two very good tackles and a, a, a Pro Bowl center. These are words that don't fit with anybody in the Giants' offensive line. Yeah, I think he got more out of him because I think that at the slightest bit of pressure, I think you see someone who can handle it better than Eli can right now. Now, I'm not saying yes, I do think that's he a, that's is a better big, big at that. Difference. But I mean, I think there are trade offs in there. I think that I think that Eli's um, processing ability and stuff like that is better. Uh, there are there are some trade offs. I agree that Nick Foles has a little bit more movement in the pocket and a little bit better feel, etc. But it, it's almost a wash what you're getting for the same amount of money. Yeah, so that's so big, why. That's the biggest problem Eli Manning has right now. I mean, people are like, well, he can't throw. That's not true. You know, is his deep ball as good as it was? Not really, but we've seen him make the throws all around. You know, his biggest problem is when he has pressure, he is useless back there. He has no escapability, zero. And quite often, it results in a fumble and a turnover. And those make massive headlines. You know, when someone throws two, three picks, it's massive headlines. So there's a perception about him that overall his game is, you know, that he's he's toast and he's washed and everything. It's not his overall game. It's these glaring problems. So I, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, Grump. 
Well, you you were just pointing out the flaws that Eli has, the flaws that Nick Foles has. I think yes. are different. So, you know, I, I I do. Yeah, I think that he throws a good ball. He's got some zip on it. I think he's got a little bit more move. He's got he's got more movement than Eli Manning does. But you know, he's he's an average quarterback at best. That's what you're getting. You know, he's he's had some elite moments with a great offensive line in the in in the you know in the playoffs. You know, when you when you need him, but he is not worth the 20 million dollars i mean i would take kirk cousins over him you know i would i i just i don't spend that kind of money on a free agent quarterback unless he's a sure thing and nick Foles is not a sure thing even with a good offensive line and and i think this is a good way to segue into the weekend the eagles advanced yesterday but and and nick Foles looked okay but he didn't look great he didn't win in the game in fact, in he fact didn't, the, they, the game they, winner was really a tipped field goal that almost went in anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, watching really the whole weekend, was there really any quarterback play that said, wow, wow, this guy, they won because this quarterback was the best player on the field and did all these amazing things. I think things. you could say that maybe about Andrew Luck. Maybe, but you know, he didn't have the monster numbers and he didn't. it didn't feel like he was on his back, but you're seeing a guy like Trubisky and you're seeing, you know, L- Lamar Jackson. You're looking at guys that are, you know, ugh. these are, these are playoff quarterbacks. Well, Trubisky is playing with the number one defense in the NFL. And well, that's, that's my yeah. point. That's exactly my point is these teams are in the playoffs because of their defense and they're playing because they have solid running games and they're not playing. They're not in the, because they have great quarterbacks. Um, what did you think about uh, Lamar Jackson? I think uh, <laughs> it's only his sixth start ever. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I he played a lot better in the second half. I mean, I don't want to hear that it's garbage time. There is no garbage time in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I, I think... Um, I think people are re- were really, really killing him on Twitter during the game. Like, you know, this guy's, you know, this guy stinks and everything and bring in Flacco. Yeah, I think he's going to be fine as an NFL quarterback. I don't think he's going to be as good as Deshaun Watson is. But, I, I, you know, you're asking a lot to have a guy who's only started like his sixth game ever in the playoffs. And, um, I don't know. I, I mean... It's it's tough, right? I mean, this is that transition that you don't envy. You know, at this time you have a guy you who's who's won a Super Bowl sitting on the bench. Um, you've got a guy who really should have s- sat for a whole year. Well, Flacco got hurt too. I mean, that's the only reason he came in, and they won a couple mm-hmm. of games. Yeah. So that that's why. I mean, I I don't think they ever would have gone to him if Flacco was still you know wasn't getting hurt. I think I think that uh, if Flacco just started playing badly, they would have benched him for him. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what John Harbaugh thinks in a situation like that. But um, regardless, I mean, this was going to be Joe Flacco's last year as a Raven, right? I mean, we knew uh, once they drafted gonna... Lamar Jackson that it was only a matter of time. Exactly, and you know that was one of the things that kind of came up in Giant Twitter was, well, what about would you take Joe Flacco? Oh, hell no! Come on. <laughs> I didn't see that, but if I did, I would just shut Twitter. Of course, I mean Joe Flacco is a guy that can't even who can't even start over a rookie in a playoff game. Yeah, let's let's move on to the Dallas game since I'm sure you were more upset than I was about it. 
<laughs> Tough weekend for us, Grump, you know, when uh, Dallas and Philly both advance. Yeah. Uh, yes, I was very aggravated with the Dallas game. Uh, I just I just don't like that team. Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, it's and, you know, I felt kind of like a, a little bit of a hooker rooting for Seattle, which a team I have no love for either. But, you know, like a Pavlovian response hearing, how about them Cowboys? You know, congratulations. You won what your third playoff game in the last 25 yeah, years. Really. I mean, <laughs> let's not get too crazy now. What, what did you it think? It went exactly as I thought it would. I mean, I, I no one's going to sit there and predict that Janikowski's fat ass pulls a hamstring, kicking a 57-yarder and missing. But, you know, that really ended up being the difference in the game, I think. I think if he didn't get hurt, then Seattle might take away that game. But the Seahawks, the fact that they even made the playoffs is outlandish. I, I never would have expected that. But, you know... If it were played in Seattle, maybe I would have given the edge to the Seahawks, but no, I just, I just didn't see it happening. It just, it just, there was like the one team that Dallas could have played in one, you know, and mm-hmm, they got mm-hmm. it. You know, it takes solace in the fact that I seriously doubt that either one of the Cowboys or Eagles beats Saints or Rams. Neither one of them is playing at home, too, so. You know, so I think that Dallas Rams game is going to be interesting because, you know, it's going to probably be 40% Cowboy fans there. So what? I mean, that's home field advantage is important. I yeah, think. but I don't think in the and NFL, in, in, I think there's so few home field advantages. And I'd, I'm not really even sure that AT&T Stadium is a home field advantage. It, it's... It sounded like a Saturday. I mean, that place was, you know, they got the whole whiteout bullshit going on and the towels and stuff, and it sounded loud in there. It sounded loud, but um, it's one of those things where I think Seattle was a home field advantage. Kansas City, Lambeau, those are home field advantages, and because it wasn't played in Seattle, it ended up being in Dallas's favor. You know, the Coliseum is is they might as well play in Mexico. It, I don't think it matters. <laughs> Well, that's a very strange place. Again, you know, you have two teams that are looking like they can make it to the conference finals and maybe the Super Bowl play each other. And how jazzed is the city of Los Angeles going to be about that? It might as well be a neutral site. (laughs) Very, very strange. So, but I think that doesn't work to the Cowboys' favor. I just don't. I just think that it's a wash. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not like they're eliminating what normally is a home field advantage. Well, I'm not saying they're going to win or lose because of the home field advantage. I think that's an advantage for Dallas is that it's not going to be a massive home field advantage. Eh, I, yeah, uh, the I second guess. thing, the, the, the more important thing to me is Jared Goff has to prove to me that he can play in a big-time yeah. game. I mean, he he, Man, he, plays, was, he plays well in prime time and whatever, but when it's when shit's actually on the line, he's got to show it. I, I agree with you. He was, he was terrible in the playoff game yeah. last year. I think he was the worst performing quarterback in in all the playoffs last year, in the, in the one game he played in. Um, I, we don't know the status of, of Todd Gurley, right? I mean, we we're hearing he's going to be okay to play, but he's that's not guaranteed nope. yet. Um, we'll have to see. I mean, I I think that's going to be, I think that's the most interesting game of the weekend. Yeah. Well, I mean. I would be stunned. I would be on the uh, the Nick Foles train if he manages to go into New Orleans and play at the Super Bowl Superdome and win. I mean, that yeah. would be 
that would take some kind of colossal Drew Brees injury or something for 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 that to even happen. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. you know, I, I guess stranger things have happened. But what I'm really excited <laughs> for is the Chargers Patriots game. That's what I'm excited for. Well, there's also potential that game could be played in a blizzard too. Yeah. Makes it more fun because they they are talking about snow this weekend, which makes me excited because I like snow. I like sitting in bars. But you, you like sitting in bars. I, I like the snow as long as I'm not driving in it, which weekend I don't have to drive anywhere. Yeah. I mean, my plan is on Sunday to sit in a Saturday and Sunday to sit in a bar all day and all night and watch football. And nothing makes me more happier than sitting at a bar, looking outside and seeing a couple inches of snow and watching a game on TV where there's a foot of snow. Mm. And I think that's what we're going to see. Yeah. And honestly, this might be the worst Patriots team we've seen in since 2008, maybe. Uh, I guess the year that Brady was out for the year. That'll be 08. Yeah. The Chargers and the Colts are the two teams that I wouldn't want to play. Um, the Saints mostly because I don't want to play in the Superdome ever. But the Chargers and the Colts are probably the two hottest teams in the NFL right now, right? I would say so. Yeah. And I mean, the the Colts made Houston look like they didn't even belong. And they're the division winner in that division. So, I mean, right? That game was over in the first quarter. Right, right, right. So. <laughs> but overall, for a first weekend of football, I mean, they were pretty entertaining games. Yeah, that, right? was, I mean, we that were... was the best weekend of wildcard football I can remember in a while. Yeah. I mean, each game um, was, I mean, even that uh, even that Colts game, I mean, there was a late surge, maybe kind of, sort of, by Houston. But they were all exciting to watch. I mean, and nobody scored more than 24 points. And you know something also, I was thinking about this watching the games, and, you know, we make fun of guys like Al Michaels and, you know, I feel like all these announcing crews are on their game. No. Like, I know the ESPN, that is clearly the worst of, of the bunch. Oh, but definitely. I was just thinking how, like, Tony Romo has made Jim Nance better. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that Joe Buck has gotten a lot better. I mean, Aikman, he's not terrible. He doesn't add much to it, but I think Buck has gotten better. And, you know, Collinsworth is Collinsworth. And, you know, I know we have differing opinions about Al Michaels, but, you know, when you don't have, when you only have one game a week on, on these different networks, you're going to have the, the number one crews doing these games. And I think they did, you know, when, Big games with big announcers make things seem more important. Oh, sure. And and, and, and I felt like, you know, I, I thought it was a good weekend for watching on TV. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. You know, I, I've been in the minority and liking Joe Buck for the last couple of years. I think that he's elevated, whatever, whatever, we can get on with this. But yeah. I thought in the whole weekend that was the worst one to watch was the Buck Aikman one. And it's because I really can't stand – and I, I hate to be this guy, but I can't stand watching Aikman call Cowboys games. It's, <laughs> it really is like, dude, you don't play anymore. Why? Who, who are you rooting for here? I mean, it's like calls that are so clear. It's like, oh, I don't know. I think he got a little bit of a hold of him there. And it's just like, dude, shut up. Like – I just, I just don't, I don't think he really adds anything oh, to a game. But that, and, that's and, a normal game, yeah. And I, I can a, a guy who says stuff that basically means nothing is basically like white noise. But an announcer that's actively <laughs> being a homer really drives me crazy. 
Right, right. <laughs> you know, I, I'm big time hating on Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth as a team, but they were not too bad. Although if the double doink thing becomes, you know, a lasting oh. thing, I, I will change my mind. Oh, it's on. It's on. <laughs> I mean, it's it's become part of the lexicon, like the tuck rule and, you know, all the all the like. Oh, well, then maybe I'll change my mind. We'll see. I like Al Michaels. I know we disagree about him. My only beef with him always is he has to have the last word on every time anybody says anything else. You know, Collinsworth will try to make a joke or something, and it might be funny. Al Michaels has to say something. And he's been doing it since the Dennis Miller days. He's been doing it forever. I mean, there's that. I think he also makes a bunch of dad jokes. And... um He's he's gotten whiny over the years. It 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 never fails. As soon as there's like the officials are kind of gathering together and trying to get the call right, he's like the fir- it's it's the first quarter we're two minutes in and he's already bitching. He's like it's like watching a game with my dad, which is precisely what I don't want to do. Thank you for triggering me talking about replays because well, wait, I, wait, wait, I wait. Keep- the, I'm not saying that he's not wrong. You know what I mean? Like yes, there's a bunch of unnecessary time. You and me stand out in the cold, so. You know that I don't like waiting around doing nothing, but hearing the announcer bitch about it does nothing more than make me more mad about it. Yeah, it, it, does, but, but, it doesn't help. I mean, fill that void with something. Don't bitch. And here's the thing, though. I think people need to understand about replay. If replay shows something and you don't like the call because of the rule or something, that doesn't mean that replay sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> replay is supposed to be, and I've been advocating this for years, should be a real-time thing that the officials use. The replay official should be an equal part of that booth. Yeah. He shouldn't have to be summoned as a challenge. It should be more like college where I'm going to buzz down and say, hey, wait a minute, guys, I don't think you're right. We see it on the field all the time. Somebody says complete, and the other guy comes running over and says, no, no, incomplete. It should be the exact same thing. There's some sort of stigma where replay proves you're wrong and and officials catch shit because they were overturned. And, you know, that that one play where the um, the ball was uh, they couldn't call it a completed catch because nobody ended up, you know, uh, grabbing it at the end. Yeah, that's not the fault of replay. That's just because it's a crazy rule. Yeah. I agree. And, you know, it may be exposed that it's a bad rule or something. That's not replay's fault. I mean, they, they don't just call replays just to call replays. I mean, they have to, you know, they want to make sure. And you know something? The NFL is so important. You know, it's a billion-dollar industry. There are billions of dollars gambled on it. There's billions of dollars involved in who wins and who loses that I will wait an extra three minutes to make sure the call is correct. Yeah, really. Because it's not a sliding – rules in the rule book are not a sliding scale of, well, close enough. You know, the rule says two feet inbounds, and if it's well, it's close enough. I don't want to waste three minutes to make sure that second foot is – no, the rule is two feet. And we now live in an era where we have technology and the capability to, to enforce the rule as closely as we possibly can. If you don't like those rules – Change the rules. Don't change the way they're enforced. Yeah. Don't 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 dumb down what technology is capable of just because you don't like it. Yeah, or because you don't want to wait an extra minute or two. Yeah. 
But, I, but I do agree with you. I mean, you know, we see it instantly watching on TV, the replay. Okay, there it is. But instead, we get this whole fucking five-minute harangue of watching the replay seven or eight times. Whereas if it was just another official looking at the replay, overruling them, it would it would be so much more fluid. Yeah. I mean, at some point, it's going to happen. You know, they're going to, you know... I know replay has been around now for over 20 years, and it still seems like they're constantly refining it. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, replay should be the official's friend. It shouldn't be like their, you know, their foe, their, uh, you know, their boss, their boss, exactly. Yeah. But by the time that gets implemented, Al Michaels will be long dead, I'm sure, so he can't bitch about it, <laughs> or, or enjoy the fact that he doesn't have to bitch about it. He did have a great comment, though. Would he say something to the effect of, uh, you know, uh, are they making these rules up as we go along or something? That was pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, he has his moments. He's not. If he were so awful, I mean, I I would be bitching about it every week, but I'm not. So, well, one thing is for sure, we're not seeing the Giants on Saturday or Sunday, which is a pain in the ass. So, um, we're gonna keep our ear to the ground for any sort of Giants rumors that come around, and um, you know, any sort of draft buzz as this national championship game comes to an end with a plethora of draft prospects. Um, but. You know, this weekend is really all about everybody else besides the Giants, which is a, a bummer for the Just Giants podcast. <laughs> and, you know, this weekend is also about me finally fixing the link on iTunes. So for all you people on iTunes that are still listening to nothing, I suggest you go over to SoundCloud and download the podcast there as I, you know. Completely forgot about fixing it this weekend, so I will try again this weekend. Well, there you go. He'll have no excuse this time because it's going to be snowing. Exactly. Um, in the meantime, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump, where I tweet a lot about uh, the college prospects around this time. Um, if you have tuned into the national championship, you'll see I wrote a whole thread on both teams that are in there on all the prospects that they have. So I'm pretty active on there around this time as, you know, it's kind of downtime for watching. Um, and the podcast I always bump there and is always bumped at Just Giants Pod. Speaking of Grump's analysis of college rec- uh, recruiting, we're going to have a special treat coming up this week on my other podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, where we discuss all things Florida Gators. We are going to have a Cranky Fan sandwich. We are going to have my Gator co-host and my Giant co-host get together as, yes, the football grump will be discussing the Florida Gator NFL prospects, guys that went pro, guys that stayed for another year, what his evaluations are, if they made the right call, the wrong call. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. So if you do not listen to that podcast and you want to hear about what Florida is doing, I suggest you download the Mark and the Cranky Fan podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. That one actually does work. So <laughs> <laughs> even though the, you know, the great abyss that is the iTunes link to the Just Giants podcast. So check that out and check me out as always on Twitter at the Cranky Fan, where as soon as this podcast is over, I will start reveling in the fact that Alabama is getting their asses kicked. <laughs> of course, I'm sure I just mush them by saying that. And by the time this podcast is posted, Bama will have an amazing 15-point comeback and win. But for right now, 
Fuck Bama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the the Gators podcast is going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of prospects coming out of Florida that are <clears throat> that are worth talking about, and that quite frankly, there's a couple guys the Giants should be keeping their eyes on, and probably do have their eyes on, but Giants fans might want to get to uh, be familiar with. So uh, check that one out. That's going to be fun. I'll, I'll bump that on Twitter as well. So if you don't follow the Mark and the Cranky Fan Twitter, which I think you have a Twitter for that, right? Mark N Cranky Fan is the Twitter account for that one. So if you don't follow that, follow it now. But if you forget, I'm going to bump it there too. So um, yeah, we'll be re- we'll be recording that this Wednesday. We re- depends on whenever Mark gets it out, either Thursday or Friday or two weeks from now. Who knows? But <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and and uh, hopefully our iTunes link will be up and running by then. Mm-hmm. Go Giants! Go Giants!